Hey everyone, what's going on? Welcome to another episode of Buds and Blue Jays. I'm your host, Jesse Burrell, and I'm joined as always by my co-host, Riley McConnell. Riley, how you doing? Good, Jesse. Uh, got a lot of good news today. Mm-hmm. I know we're both pretty optimistic. I know you're going to be ready to announce this to our uh, viewers if they didn't already know. Um, you know, just a little more psych than last week and, and the week before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, before we get into that, I just want to say over the last few episodes here, we've been uh, talking about the team, the players and whatnot, the broadcasters and all that stuff. But today we're going to have a little bit of fun. We're going to open up our imaginations and talk about what's next for the Toronto Blue Jays. Who are the free agents we could add? Who are the trade targets we can go for? You know, this is the stuff that us Blue Jays sickos, this this is the stuff we want, right? Because we can let our imagination fly and see who's going to be on this team. Who's going to be in Blue Jay Blue in 2022? For all those other GMs playing MLB out there, when you want to go sign a guy um, that you really like, this is the episode for you. I'm one of those guys, a big time MLB franchise player. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I love it. This is the kind. This is this kind of stuff I like to get into. You know, oh, we got a vacancy in this spot, boys. You know, who who are we going to pull up? Or, uh, you know, oh, well, this pitcher looks good. You know, maybe we could get him for less. Things like that. Right. We talked about dreaming on prospects in our episode last week. Today, we can dream about the Major League roster. And plus, we're going to have trivia, a whole bunch of other fun stuff on the long, along the way. So make sure you like and subscribe and follow along with us as we follow the Blue Jays this year. Before we get started, though, we did have a big press conference today from Rob Manfred. He took to the media and he had there were a few major takeaways to take away from this press conference. As you know, the owners and the players are going through a labor agreement and we're trying to figure out how things are going to look for the 2022 season. And Rob Manfred basically admitted today that him and the players unions have agreed on two things. One, the universal DH is here. There's no more just strictly the DH in the American League and pitchers are going to bat in the National League. It's going to be all DH all the time. Got any thoughts on that? Yeah, of course I do, man. Like Mm. that's how the National League has been forever. Um, It it opens up 15 new lineup spots is what it does. Mm -hmm. Like this, it's going to be, I don't know how I feel about it right now. I'm excited to get guys to the lineup instead of having the pitcher, you know, take three pitches and walk back to the dugout or, you know, the sacrifice bunt um, could be taken away a little bit. You know, the NL is a big strategic, um, you know, chess game as far as baseball goes. AL is more, you know, swing and hit the ball hard. When you have that pitcher in your lineup, you know, is it a guaranteed out all the time? No, you can work different stuff with it. Pinch hitters, you know, if the average, you know, AL starter goes six and a third, um, you know, the NL starters going, I would say, you know, two or three outs less than that because they're so often pinch hit for um, because of critical game situations. So it it opens up a new job spot for someone with a big bat. It's going to be it's going to be awesome to see some some NL teams uh, do that with their lineups. Mm-hmm. That's the big reason I think the Players Association really wanted the DH, because that's just another player on a major league roster making more money taking stuff up now the big knock against the dh has always been that strategy thing like oh a manager's got to do a double switch or do you really want to pull your pitcher he's throwing a gym but you really need this offense in this clutch spot but to me i think baseball is more fun when you have all guys throughout the lineup who can hit right even your bad dh is still way better than any pitcher hitting ever unless you're shohei otani of course but that's a whole different animal you know so i'm very excited to see that the dh is going to be here i think it's just going to make more fun across all modes of baseball and it's a great thing. Um, yeah, definitely. I kind of going to renege on what I said last, uh, I think a couple episodes ago about that inflated ALERA 
to mm-hmm. the NL facing the pitcher um, because I was right at the time to say that. But now this uh, now coming about, it's going to change everything. Level playing fields for all statistics for all pitchers. Now you got to face the big boy in the lineup. Now you're not facing uh, Max Scherzer um, or someone who hits below 100. You're facing a guy who could knock the ball out of the park. 30 times in 150 games. It just makes that battle between the pitcher and the batter even better. And that's what, that's what we like about baseball, right? It's pretty good. Uh, Another takeaway from the press conference today is that Rob Manfred said, there's going to be now no more draft pick compensation slash qualifying offer program. So how that works in the past is if a player becomes a free agent, the team that he's leaving offers him a qualifying offer, which is usually a one-year deal this year was around $18 million. It's, it's fluctuated throughout the years. And if that player declines that contract and then signs with another team, the team that lost that player is entitled to a draft pick, which is usually just after the first round, but before the second round. Uh, the Jays just did this last year with both Marcus Semyon and Robbie Ray. They both, he signed them both to that qualifying offer. Both of them turned it down. They both signed elsewhere. So the Jays are going to get two draft picks out of that this year. Uh, but this is the last year that seems to be happening, which... I think is something the players wanted because I feel like it's going to help players uh, resign with their team a lot more likely. A lot of teams were just incentivized to be like, yeah, we'll offer you the qualifying offer. You're going to leave as a free agent. We don't really have the business to resign you. We don't think we want to do that. And now I think it might uh, push it in the favor of maybe teams look at these free agents, pending free agents go, maybe we do want to resign them for another year or two. So I don't know. I'm still pretty new on the thoughts of this. It could go a lots of different ways, but that's kind of my first thoughts about uh, I like it too, actually, because um, I like homers. I like guys that stick to their clubs. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you can think of, you know, legendary teams. When you think of Cincinnati, Joe Morgan, Johnny Bench, just were, were their guys, you know. Um, it's, you know, the Jays, our guy was Halliday for the longest time. And then, yeah. um, you know, if this rule was implement, implemented, would he have gone to uh, Philadelphia? We don't know. Still think he might have, but that's just because the Jays were in a whole different well, situation then. But yeah, yeah, championships implications there, right? You know and, who does uh, who doesn't want to win a ring? Absolutely right, and Halliday deserved one. So as we know, yeah. Uh, yeah. One more takeaway there: it does seem like extended playoffs are going to be likely now. Whether that's fourteen teams, whether that's twelve teams, whether the new playoff format, how it changes, that's all up for debate. They're still talking about that in the uh, labor talks there, but. It seems likely, though, that the playoff field is going to be extended from 10 to either 12 to 14 to 16 teams. So I guess we just sit and wait and see. My theory on this is where was this when the Blue Jays were like a very mediocre team for years and years and years and years and never got a sniff of the playoffs. But I don't really have a major takeaway on this yet either. I think I'd like to see how the new playoff system is reformed. And we'll talk about it when it is before I really make an opinion on expanded playoffs. Well, I mean, it's good for the Blue Jays, right? We both know this. If you were to add the next team with the best record in last year's uh, playoffs, it's us. Yep. Yeah. Like we, and, you know, through the whole, I would say the last three years, like we could have possibly had the edge in the playoffs or not, maybe not an edge, but we, you know, going into the playoffs, we could have, you know, anything can happen in the playoffs. That's why it's the playoffs. You have, in hockey or whatever seeds eight, one seeds beaten eight seeds things like that baseball mm-hmm. you never know you, you get your bats hot and you get a good couple outings from pitchers and away you go yeah baseball is very different too than other sports i think i read an article somewhere maybe on baseball prospectus that it said in order 
for two playoff teams to meet in baseball, you have to place a 75 game series in order for the team that's better than you to win that series 80% of the time or more. So, you have, so there's no way we're doing 75 game series here. Um, and so that means just the playoffs, it's a crapshoot. It's all random, right? You get in there, you get hot, you're laughing. It's, you know, not really a great system to decide who the best team in baseball was, but we've all decided as like a community, be like, no, this is fun. We like these playoff series. Like, let's go with it, right? That way, you know, because anyone can win. Like Atlanta last year, no way going into the playoffs that we think Atlanta was the best team, but they got hot at the right time and they're World Series champions because of it. That's what it takes to be a champion. Um, you, you get on, like I said, you get the hot, the hottest team usually wins. You don't win the championship by having, you know, half your lineup being cold. Mm-hmm. Uh, so great points there. I'm excited to see what the future holds for those. I do want to give you some quotes that Rob Manfred said during his press conference today. So the first things first, what we thought when he was planning a meeting is that he was going to announce that spring training was going to be canceled, seeing how pitchers and catchers are supposed to report, I think in like nine or 10 days, like very soon. Uh, he said, quote, the status of spring training is no change right now. So there's unless they get a deal done between now and then, which I'd be very surprised if a dealer struck in the last uh, nine in the next nine days. It seems like spring training is going to happen, but it's going to happen with players who are not currently on the 40 man roster. So a lot of the minor league guys, the guys who got spring training invites, those are going to be the guys that are in camp at the moment and not the guys on the 40 man roster, which is something. Yeah. Give, uh, give another guys a hand in that. And, uh, you know, see how they do. If it doesn't work out like that, still, we're trying to be optimistic here. But uh, eight or nine days for, you know, kind of, I would say the lack of progress that has really actually happened. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, as long as I think as long as we get something through um, before opening day, um, I don't think a whole lot changes. Yes, pitchers are going to lose innings. You know, we're going to lose some reps in the batting cages, but all in all, 162 games is what, what needs to happen. Yeah. And uh, in terms of the regular season start, Rob Manfred said this, and I quote, I'm an optimist and I believe we'll have an agreement in time to play our regular schedule. I see missing games as a disastrous outcome for this industry, and I am committed to reaching an agreement. So first of all, do you think he's bullshitting or what? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know, man. I feel like it's kind of it's a political approach. Of course, he's has yeah. to, you know, he's he, he's walking on eggshells, you know, eggshells that he kind of broke the eggs of. Um, but it's he's got to say something like that. Right. He can't just flat out say, you know, I'm disgusted with what the players union is asking about. You know, this is a league where, you know, I'm in charge. I'm the sheriff. And what I say goes which I'm sure he goes to bed at night thinking about, you know, more often than not. It's not like he's really, you know, I don't know. I got a lot to say about, you know, hierarchies and the wealth and statuses of some individuals. But for this case, just being MLB baseball, you know, the players are losing out. The fans are losing out. And I think those are the two most important things when it comes to the sport. Right. If you take Rob Manford for his word there, that actually gave me a little bit of hope. If he truly is committed to getting on the field for opening day, we already know the players are truly committed to getting on the field for opening day. If that is something they can agree on, and it's not just a negotiation tactic or something, you know, to make the players look bad when a deal isn't done by opening day, I think that's optimism. I think we're well on the track here. I'm just going to give you one more quote here. 
uh, on, he says, it is my responsibility to do everything I can to make an agreement and to keep the game on the field. So that kind of goes back to what we just said there before, mm-hmm. you know, nothing too crazy. So on Saturday, he is making a good faith, positive proposal in an effort to move the process forward. And then he said, he pauses for a second and says, it's a good proposal. So they're going to meet again on Saturday. They're going to be discussions. I think we should wait and see to what those details entail. I get kind of turned off by how he says it's a good faith proposal because, well, you know, that could be iffy, but they're meeting. It seems like things are happening and we're well on our way here. We're not taking steps back as of right now, which knock on wood, um, we continue to walk in in the direction of what's going to, which gonna, is going to lead us to um, this lockout ending. Um, and I'm not going to say, you know, there's obviously going to be a clear loser and winner uh, by the end of this. Um, but all in all, everyone's losing out right now. So, yeah, you know, someone's got to suck it up and I hope it's not the, uh, the players i'm with you there and when a deal does get struck uh it's going to be a busy time for us because rob manfred did say it's only going to take him about a week from the time a deal is struck to get to report in spring training and in that week all these free agents need to be signed all these trades are going to be made so it's going to be a busy as hell week which means it's probably going to be busy for us too and we'll have lots to talk about yeah watch the league just get turned right side right side up upside down um it will be a busy week when that happens. Mm-hmm. Looking forward to it. So oh, me that's, too. that's kind of the negotiation of where the players and the late and the labor talks have finally been going. We'll touch on them more as news breaks out. And of course, follow our Twitter account. We'll be tweeting up a storm about it. I'm sure let's get on to the fun part though. And talking about this team, the Toronto blue Jays, once that labor agreement is made, this team's still got more work to do. I'd be very surprised if the team they currently have is the team that's fielded out there on opening day. So let's talk a little bit about it. Uh, before we get going, we got to talk about what this team needs. And Riley, I've come up with a few little things here. Tell me what your thoughts on there. Uh, we, as we've mentioned in previous episodes before, this team really does need a third baseman, right? Like you said, as of now, yeah. Santiago Espinal's the starting guy. I think we're on the same page saying that he's not the guy you want starting opening day. Um, going on as well, I think we could use a second baseman as well as we always need pitching depth and maybe another bench bat. Anything to add on that? Uh, no, I think, uh, I think you hit the uh, nail on the head with that. Um, for me, the two primaries would be yet yeah, pitching is probably the most important thing in baseball. Uh, you can't win games if your pitching is subpar or, you know, you can't even win in the long run if it's even average. So adding depth there uh, would be great. And of course, one of the more predominant positions in today's game, um, good teams have good third basemen. It's just, mm-hmm. a, you look around the league, third base might be one of the most stacked positions out there. And there's a plethora of good guys that the Jays could possibly acquire. Um, and really, you know, not turn that team upside down or turn it around, but contribute and add to what is already a good, great lineup. Mm-hmm. Third base has kind of fallen off the way a little bit. Like you're not seeing the super top tier talent at the position anymore, but there's still lots of good guys out there. The Jays, I think might be the weakest in the majors at third base right now, or if not, they're at least in the bottom five. So definitely a place we need to improve. And I'm sure we're going to talk about some players that could fill that hole here. So I think you and I have both come up with three players that we really think the Jays should go out and acquire before the season starts. Would you like to go first or should I go first with my, uh, my guy? You can go first. I got to build up wind for my first guy and I'm going to kind of bounce off what you have to say. I know you have uh, one of your more, um, 
we'll say not favorite non-Jays, but someone that you've really looked at closely and think will make a great impact on the club? Oh man, what a tease. All right, without further ado, <laughs> this is the player the Blue Jays should be acquiring. And it is Cattell Marte. Now, let's get into him a little bit. He's a switch hitter. He plays second base, which fills a need. He can play a little bit of shortstop and he can play a little bit of center field, which perfect, right? We saw George Springer get hurt a lot last year. Do we really want to send out Randall Gritchick in center field? I don't know if we do. Putting Cattell Marte there would cover that. If there's ever an injury to Bo Bichette or something else, Cattell Marte could cover over to short and we get someone else to play. So first of all, right there, that's a positional alignment. Love that. He's only 28 years old too. So he's, he's still in his prime. He's still going to be very good. He's under contract for $8.4 million this year for club options for next year and the year after that. So he's not a free agent until 2025. So if we do make the trade for Cattell Marte, we get him for three years. Perfect. Now, I don't know what your thoughts are about this guy or your general opinion, right? But I'm going to tell you his stats over the last three years. Ready? Well, give me one. Give me one second. You ask what I do know about him. Yeah, um, do that. I know. He, I know. He. I know. He burns rubber on the base paths. Uh, mm-hmm. Led the American League in steals last year, if I'm not mistaken. No, not last year. He's. I don't have his stolen bases numbers here, but it's been a while since he's really been oh, that sorry. elite runner. That's Starling Marte. Yeah, I'm talking Cattell, Cattell Marte. Yeah, yeah, I got you. I got to, I was thinking of leaderboards in my head, and all I saw was <laughs> yeah. Marte. Okay, nope. Yeah. Starling Go Marte on. just signed to play center field for the Mets, which, you know, yeah. the Mets really wanted George Springer last year. Jay stole yeah. him from him, so now this is their replacement. But anyways, that's beside the point. Uh, in 2019, this is what Cattell Marte hit. He had a 329 batting average. 389 on base percentage, slugged 592, hit 32 home runs, and had a 149 OPS plus. Now, OPS plus 100 is league average. So, Cattell Marte was 149. That means he was 49% better than league average. So, amazing. He was an all star. He finished fourth in MVP voting. A true, true, true breakout season for Cattell Marte. So, flash forward to 2020. You get the COVID shortened season. He hit, still hit 287. He went 323 on base, 409 slugging. Not that great. Only hit two home runs, but he only played 45 games. He was hurt a lot last year, and some of the expected stats still really like Cattell Marte. Flash forward to last year, he bounced back in a huge way: 318, 377, 532, 14 home runs, and 143 OPS plus, which 43% better than league average. You take that every time. And now to put his 143 OPS plus into perspective for Jays fans, which we might know. Uh, George Springer last year, and we saw how hot George Springer got. He also had a 143 OPS plus. That OPS plus was better than Marcus Semien, Bo Bichette, and Teoscar Hernandez. So this is the type of hitter that the Blue Jays would be adding into their lineup. Not only that, he can run. He plays these elite defensive positions. I am in, in, in on Cattell Marte, and I really want the Jays to sign this or to make a trade for this guy. And one more thing to add, too. You mentioned the switch hitter thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you with, love the switch hitter. The- I do. I do. And I love it now that, you know, when a righty's on the hill, uh, there's another lefty bat in the lineup. You look Mm -hmm. at all the great hitters we talk about on these Jays, on this Jays team, um, and they are predominantly right-handers. So put a little more, and it puts a little more strategy involved, how you pitch to guys. Um, If you're a, you know, if you're a right-handed hard thrower with a great slider, like maybe that's going to kryptonite a lot of our Jays hitters trying to hit that low and away sinker. Um, you throw in a good lefty batter there. And I'm, I mean, I should say, I should say great lefty batter with those numbers. I don't actually know what his lefty righty splits are, yeah, but you're going to have con- with a, with a one, four, three OPS plus, um, I can't do the math rate in my head, but you're going to have to have 
good numbers on both sides of the plate, especially yeah. when more of your ABs will be left-handed. Almost definitely. Yeah. So, I mean, those are insane numbers um, for someone who is going to cost, I think, less than, you know, perhaps some of the other names that I'll be throwing out there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's definitely a price to pay for him, but those, those are some performance numbers and fourth in MVP bo- voting too. Um, in 2019. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's, um, you know, that's a quality player. That's, that's what you call, well, you've already mentioned he was an all-star, but that's what an all-star player is. Yeah. I think he's going to cost less too than a Jose Ramirez would cost because Cattell Marte. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's still fairly young, but I really do not think he's going to be part of the next good Arizona Diamondbacks team. So he could be had. And I think also... When is that? If, yeah, right? It's, it's <laughs> kind of yeah. wild. He's a yeah. great Marcus Semyon replacement. I think he's better than Marcus Semyon. And we saw how good Marcus Semyon was last year. Hot uh, take. Yeah. Well, That's, Marcus Semyon yeah. got a little lucky. I was digging into him last year, but we yeah. he was still really good, though. Don't get me wrong. Like I said, cough, cough, shortstop. I know all these records yeah. were put at because he was playing second base. Um, you know, as a middle, no matter where you're playing in the middle infield, still very impressive. Um, but yeah, um, just what you said there, if he is, a com- if he's a comp to numbers with Semyon, then I'm all in too, especially yeah. batting from both sides of the plate. 98% top. He's in the top 98th percentile and expected batting average. So he's going to be a batting average machine. He's in the 97th percentile of max at exit velocity. So he has massive power. So boom, bat to ball skills, massive power, like he total package as a hitter and you know, 87th percentile in ex-woba, 86% in hard hit percentage. Cattell Marte is a superstar, an absolute superstar. And the Jays can have him at a not superstar price. I'm in, in, in. If I could talk to Ross Atkins right now, I'd be like, this is the guy you go get. Anyways, that's my play on Cattell Marte. I will be ecstatic if the Jays do get him, and I'm really hoping for it. Riley, let's get over to your guy. Who's first on your list that you think the Jays should acquire? Uh, first on my list, and this is all... Um, of course, we're talking hypothetical. I compare this kind of to if I'm playing a baseball video game, but mm-hmm. I still, you know, because that's what guys like you and I, or maybe the regular baseball fan does, because we don't actually manage real baseball teams. So it's kind of the best we can do. Um, but I'm looking for someone who's young, who's yeah. going to fit the place, who's going to fit the play style, uh, who can give you the power to go along with the rest. Um, and I like a plus defender and I see no better fit to cover third base than California's Matt Chapman. Okay. We're going to have to get him from Oakland. We're going to have to get him from Oakland. Right. Uh, right off the bat, I'll say, even as a Jays fan, he is my favorite ball player. He's a platinum glove award winner, which is consecutive gold gloves. Um, another hot take. I think he's the best defender in all of baseball. He's up there. Um, he is. He is just. He is just amazing to watch in the field. You want to look up cool videos of you know as Jays fans, we can look up Kevin Pillar highlights uh, for outfielders. You want to look up some good infielders. Yeah, and Aaron Otto's got some good ones. Yep. But Chapman, I think his 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 um his best days are yet to come, man. I mean, I know he had a rough season last year. Um, I believe too. Um, Matt Chapman has the potential for. 38 home runs maybe fo- maybe 40 if it's if if he can get more bat on ball he's got a lot of power man i mean he hit 27 last year and that was a down year for matt chapman like you said yeah. so if you're in your down year you're hitting 27 home runs it's still yeah. pretty good he hit 36 in 2019 so 
Yeah. I don't think that 40 home and runs. That was a, reach. Yeah. And that was a, that was Chapman's best statistical year. I think that was the year he captured um, his first gold glove, perhaps. It was um, looking at the stats here. It was definitely his best defensive season. Yeah, and and offensively as well. Uh, mm-hmm. But I believe that the, the, he hasn't had his best offensive season yet. Um, Oakland's Oakland's selling the farm. Yeah, and um, I think that that heifer right there in that pen. I think we take that cow over to over the border to Canada. Like <laughs> you know, we're we're taking. We got to take um, you know someone with pop. Um, Yak Martes, a guy with pop. Yeah, he might be a switch hitter, but just a total bias thing for me. But you talk about upside, Jesse. I have so much faith in Chapman. Um, in my fantasy, no matter, I'll take him 20, 25 picks ahead of where he's supposed to go this year. I don't care. I love the guy. Mm. I have such high hopes for him. I believe that we have not even, for those of you who have watched him and maybe, you know, turn to turn your head away from him because he didn't do so well last year. Um, he's got a lot of potential. He is the, he is probably, if he played the best he could, he could be the a top three third baseman in not just the AL or the NL, but all of baseball. So a lot of Jays fans are kind of having a retrospect back to uh, the 2014 off season. They see a kind of older third baseman who plays in Oakland, a guy who had a lot of power, a lot of tools, and they're screaming like, this is Josh Donaldson. This is another guy like that who's already put up high war seasons in his tenure in Oakland. And if the Jays can get him, Matt Chapman could be an MVP. Now, I don't think he's going to be an MVP, but I do think he's going to be really good. Um, yeah. You want to talk about his down year, in which was last year. So in 2020, Matt Chapman had a torn labrum in his hip. Okay, And that shut him down for a lot of the COVID-shortened season. Now it was a COVID-shortened season, so missing those games didn't really matter too much. And I dug into a lot of research about that surgery. And people who recover that usually don't get back to their full strength until another year later. So it usually takes almost another full year of recovery. And if you look through Matt Chapman's splits last year, he struggled a lot early in the season and started to really pick up as the year got on. So maybe that means he's actually finally being able to recover. He can defend better. He can hit better. Because that lip haven surgery has done damage to Michael Pineda, Tim Lincecum, Alex Rodriguez, and before Tulo had the foot stuff, he had a torn labrum in his hip as well. So it's a really, really hard injury to come back from. But Matt Chapman still, like we said, 28 years old. I'm kind of with you here. I think there's more untapped potential. And if he's the guy who ends up playing third base for this team, I think the upside could be huge. Oh, huge upside, man. And we talk about the, the batting order. Like it, for me, like to slide him in with those power bats already, like he could hit anywhere from, you know, six to clean up and still put up just gross numbers with the, with Lourdes and Tay Oscar, man. Um, like he would be, I know there's a lot of same, same players. I do like having another lefty bat. Um, but for what I think we could get Chapman at because Oakland's selling so hard right now um, and looking to, you know, move some money around. And the fact is we would, we would have to pay him a uh, smaller cash for two years. Jesse is what yeah, you said. 9.5 million I, this year. And then he's arbitration eligible next year. Yeah. Um, which should be a slight raise, maybe 11 somewhere in there. Um, so he's going to afford I mean, that. No problem, man. Even if it is for two years, like that's going to, that's going to buy, um, by a lot of guys time even if Groshan's you know 
if he's not up this year, that's going to buy a guy like Roshan's time. That's going to buy um, a Ralvis Martinez time. If, you know, I'm talking infielders as infielders here. Chapman, yep. obviously, you're not going to move him to short or second. No, he's he playing is, third base. He's, he's your third baseman. Um, the other uh, minor leaguers, you know, if if you're a short, you're brought up as a shortstop, drafted as a shortstop, you got to learn how to play other positions. Um, you know, Chapman being there would be great for a lot of reasons and he would buy he would help develop the guys beneath him and give them more time in the minors before you go up and send a guy who's too young and too inexperienced to kind of screw him up mm-hmm. i'm with you dude i um i wasn't sold on that chapman when we started but looking into him more i think yeah he might be up there behind Catal Marte of who i'd really like to see this blue jays team acquire well, um, man, if we were doing this in 2002, I would tell you about we should, we could have gone should have gone after Ken Griffey Jr. or someone <laughs> like that, man. Like my favorite players are my favorite players for a reason. Yep. A lot of them are plus defenders, and like I said, you know Chapman might be the best defender in all of baseball, and with offensive upside to go with it. So tons of offensive upside. Yeah. Would love to get it. All right, those are two really good infield options that the Blue Jays could look for. I'm going to move over to starting pitching now with my next player, and this isn't going to be a top-line guy. Like, I'm not saying let's go get Carlos Rodon, who's the top guy on the free agent. I'm thinking more of someone you could put into that fifth starter's role here that could eat up a bunch of innings for you and could be sneakily good this year. And it might surprise a lot of Jays players, but I am interested in getting Yusei Kikuchi, who's a starting pitcher, left-handed, We could use another left-hander to go with Ryu. Uh, He's 30 years old. So I'm going to tell you a little bit of story here about Yusei Kikuchi. So he obviously started in Japan. He came to the major leagues, and he wasn't good. His first two years in Seattle were quite atrocious. But last year, he started to throw a little harder, and he started to work his way up, right? So at the start of the year, Yusei Kikuchi actually put some really good stuff together. In the first half, he had a 3.48 ERA, a whip of 1.09, and was actually Seattle's representative at the All-Star game this year. So we're thinking, great, the breakout is coming. Here's Yusei Kikuchi. It can happen. Then the second half happened, and he kind of fell apart. And I don't know if it is related to the sticky stuff crackdown that the Major League Baseball tried to put in last year. I don't know if that had something to do with Yusei Kikuchi's uh, detriment or his downfall there, but he was never able to pick it back up. But... Here's why I think Yusei Kikuchi can turn it around and can still be a very good major league hitter. Like I said, or pitcher, sorry. Like I said, his velocity has increased in 2021 after he kind of rehauled his mechanics in 2022. And I think he could really benefit from a pitch mix change. If you look, there's something on pitcher list. I think it's got a pitch valves. And you look, they rank every pitcher's, each individual pitches. And Yusei Kikuchi's fastball, to put it bluntly, is dog shit. It is not good. He puts it in the zone. It gets hit. It gets hit hard. And you think having a guy with a fastball, you kind of need a fastball, right, to be successful. But I think if you could make Yusei Kikuchi uh, scrap that and throw his cutter as well as his slider to go along with his changeup, because his slider grades really well, gets a lot of swings and misses, and even his cutter isn't too bad. We saw um, the guy in Milwaukee, Corbin Burns. He started throwing a cutter as a primary pitch. We've seen it before with Mariano Rivera and Kenley Jansen throw a cutter as a primary pitch. I think if you can get into Yusei Kikuchi's head and to have him throw that as his pitch mix and kind of just use his fastball a lot less, kind of like Hunjin Ryu does, he doesn't throw his fastball that much. I think there's more upside that you could get that first half, the guy he was in the first half of 2021 on this team into 2022. 
Yeah. Um, <clears throat> like I said, I'll just start like with what I know about pitchers and uh, pitchers are weird. Um, they're going to have a lot weird. of, <laughs> are going to have a lot of up and downs. Um, first half numbers sounded great. The fact that he was an all-star. Um, I don't like to think too much about the sticky stuff. Uh, Jesse, um, yeah. I'm a, I'm, I'm a traditionalist of baseball. Um, you know, the, uh, guys use things to get a grip on the ball, whatever. Been doing uh, now years. we're going, now we're going bare bones and that's fine. So let's find something that works. If he is part of that, you talk about a slider and you talk about a cutter, two very similar pitches and coming out of a left-hander's hand, the cutter is going to be, you know, have higher velocity and less, less, less movement <clears throat> than a slider mm-hmm. slider, having more movement. And that's killer against, you know, I'm a lefty batter. I know that down and away, movement um it just you could fall off the plate like that could you know just dice up left-handed batters just dice them up yes that's i know as a left-handed batter the pitches tailing far and away are so hard to hit um based on csw do you want to know what you say kikuchi sliders mimicked like what other pitchers had similar sliders do you say kikuchi last year yeah but if you say like i i hope you give me an elite name here okay um joe musgrove Jacob DeGrom yeah. and Garrett Cole. You say so, Kikuchi slider was on par yeah. with those guys. So uh, you just gave me two and a half elite names. <laughs> yeah. Musgrove threw a Musgrove threw a, a, a no hitter, a perfect game, I believe. Uh, I think it was just a no hitter. Just a no hitter. Well, fair enough. He threw a no hitter. Well, maybe so, it was a perfect game. I don't remember. I'll have to check, man. That's yeah. that shows you how much I know about the Padres. <laughs> <laughs> I even had him in fantasy last year too. <laughs> I had him in for that, but whatever it was, um, the fact that he can mimic those pitches, if he gets something else working, a tertiary and a secondary, you know, possible pitches, you know, maybe even scrap the fastball um, entirely or try to work a two C movement that kind of yeah. ca- contradicts the, the cutter, right? The cutter moving. Uh, one way and the two seam almost acts in the other direction, mm-hmm. right? When you look at, when you look at the, the strike zone and how the ball actually moves towards home plate. Um, I don't know. Like I said, man, I'm not a pitcher. I know pitchers because of how successful or poor, poorly I hit against them. Um, <laughs> so him, him being a lefty, um, I think there's a lot of potential to throw some more crafty pitches in there. And, you know, if we potentially get him, that could be a real, a real weapon. I say get him in here, get him under camp, get Pete Walker to work his magic on him, and you have a lot of upside in your fifth starter. And he just turned down a one-year $13 million player option, so he could be had dirt cheap. Get this guy on this team. Riley, who's your next guy? Yes. Well, I'm going back to the position of third base. Um, yep. <clears throat> I feel like he could possibly be, you know, favorite and over Chapman, we'll say. Um, and that's Jose Ramirez. Maybe you know, I'll slow my roll for a second. Maybe, you know, we'll be a little more realistic when we talk ball. Still, the price is really high when you're talking yep. about Jose Ramirez. Um, he's a switch hitter. Yep, sure is. Which is, we we need a lefty bat in that lineup. We really do. He's still an above average defender. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not an exceptional um, base runner by any means. But he, from what I know, is an extra base hit machine. Yeah, Jose Ramirez, I think if you were to rank all the third basemen in baseball, I think Jose Ramirez might be the best one. 
And there is an obvious connection there with Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins because they came from Cleveland. They saw Jose Ramirez develop in their system. So a lot of Blue Jays fans are knocking down the door, be like, Jose Ramirez is the guy. We need this guy to play third base on our team. Now, don't get me wrong. He is very good. Like we said, he might be the best third baseman in all of baseball. I'm just worried that he's going to cost a lot. Now, some people will say, if he's elite, he's the best third baseman in baseball. I don't care who you send out, get him on this team. And there's good merit to that. I just, I love my prospects. I really, really do. And I just, I don't know about Jose Ramirez. I'm still kind of undecided. Yeah. Oh, for sure, man. Um, If we crank that budget, like we got to put the money into this team to be successful. And I know that doesn't come down to you and I, Jesse, Um, but just to dream, to, to dream of having, a top three third baseman of all in all of baseball, man, that's going to be like, there's a, I mean, geez, man, where do you, where would he even hit in that lineup? Like, I think you move Bo down in the lineup just a little bit. He could, he's a two, he's a two hitter, man. And for teams that don't include Vlad jr. He's a three hitter. Like it's, he's like, you're, you're right. He probably is the best third baseman in all of baseball. Mm -hmm. Um, And he has so much to offer. He, wherever he, if he stays with um, with the Guardians, if he decides that he, you know, is going elsewhere, you know, we would take him with open arms. But our front office has got to, got to, you know, got to dole out some dough for that to happen. It's a big dream for sure, but. He is still 28 years old. He's still young. He's got two more years under his contract. So we'd get him for at least two more seasons. So even if we don't get him a contract extension, you still got the two years with this team. The Blue Jays are in win now mode and Jose Ramirez would absolutely help that. It's, you know, it, it's huge upside, huge upside with Jose Ramirez. And if it, if it does happen, I'm going to be excited. I'm going to love this. I'm going to go. Cause like we said, he is one of the best players in baseball. I just, I don't want to mortgage too much of the future to get him in here. That's my only knock on him. It would be my only knock too, but, um, I'll say it right now, Chapman, you know, he'll have a good career. He's probably not going to win an MVP. Jose Ramirez is the type of player that is an MVP. He's an MVP type player. He's he's a guys are game breakers. Guys like that are game breakers. He's already finished top three in MVP voting three times already in his career. So yeah, there's yeah. red all over the stat cast page. Don't get me wrong. Jose yeah. Ramirez is amazing. He's a great player. Let's just wait and see. Yeah. Um, my last guy on the list, we can kind of run through this guy really quick. I just think the Blue Jays, as good as we've talked about in our pitching episode, how their bullpen could be. I've just got one little sneaky bullpen guy I think the Jays could add, and that's uh, David Bednar, who's 27. He's a right-handed pitcher from the Pittsburgh Pirates, under team control till 2027. He's just your typical bullpen guy. Good stuff. 2-3-3 ERA last year, over a strikeout an inning. In fact, 77 strikeouts in 60 innings. He's in the top 7% in expected batting average against, expected slugging against, um, strikeout percentage. He's got a good three pitches. He can throw up to 97 with his fastball. Uh, The Jays in Pittsburgh kind of match up well because the Jays assistant general manager is over in Pittsburgh now. So he knows the Jays farm system really good. Pittsburgh's rebuild is going to take a long time. So we, the prospects (laughs) we give up is probably someone who's very young. I think nothing sexy about it, but I think if we can get David Bednar, he will help this bullpen. Good piece for years to come. 
all trades don't have to be sexy, uh, right. especially when it comes down to the bullpen, because I don't think any of those guys are um, really, unless you're, you know, a, a closer who's been in the league for, you know, half a decade, because you're probably putting up some crooked numbers. A lot of those guys are rental players, Jesse, but you're right. Um, would be nice to add another arm to that pad. Yeah, bullpen uh, performance tends to be the one thing that kind of fluctuates from year to year to year, no matter how good your guys are. We've seen great relievers just have one bad year, and that can affect your whole bullpen. So just getting more guys in there, especially guys who have the ability to strike out batters, because a lot of the time they're coming in with runners on base. So you really need that one quick out. I think David Bednar is just another guy. He can be had for really cheap. I'm in. Riley, who's who's the last guy you want to talk about here that you think the Jason? Well, no, sir. Well, again, I'm sticking with the position of third base um, because I think that that is something that if we got a third baseman without getting any other position, like acquiring anyone else, it's going to make the greatest impact. And I went over, I would say, the top two guys. But here's one, former World Series winner, Chris Bryant. Now, I do realize that he played a lot of left field Mm -hmm. um, in the National League for for the Giants. But... If you remember, iconically laughing, throwing that ball to Rizzo. If you have a throw out in the bo- in the bottom of the ninth to your first baseman, um, you know you're you're and you win a World Series. You're a third baseman. He's been in the league a long time. He is in the down. He's in his downside years, um, not by a lot, but I don't think you see 36, 37, you know, even 34 home runs out of him. You know, I still think 30 is a possibility. 25 would be still great to have um, batting averages. You could probably expect this year. I don't know, 250s, 260s. He's not an MVP anymore. He's not at that level, but he's still um, well above replacement level for, you know, a lot of the third baseman in this league. And he's he's a great ball player. I um, I would say probably around 2013, 14, 15, around that as a young guy. I love to watch Chris Bryant. He low-key would be one of my more favorite guys. Um, and he came up with that Cubs team that ended up, you know, breaking the curse. Just great to watch guys like that. Like that for the sentimentalness of baseball being getting a guy who was on that Chicago Cubs curse-breaking team, um, I think speaks volumes. And again, just a fun guy on the diamond. Yeah, so uh, Chris Bryant was, a like you said, a huge prospect with the Cubs. He went into spring training one year, just tore the cover off the ball. And then the Cubs did the same thing the Jays did with Vladdy. Well, they sent him down. He's got to work on defense, yada, yada. Then they brought him up, and he went on a went on a tear. He was MVP of the 2016 season. He's a four-time All-Star. And like you said, he was great. In those prime years with the Cubs, Chris Bryant, absolute superstar. But you did say that he had kind of gone down a little bit, and it's weird with Chris Bryant. He got traded to San Francisco at the trade deadline last year, and he did play better in San Francisco than he did with the Cubs. But his skills just seem to have declined. Like, his average exit velocity was in the bottom 29% of the league, and he's also not that great of a defender anymore. So you really want to see a guy who was known for having all this power just he doesn't hit the ball as hard as you'd like. And I'm very curious on what a contract would look like for Chris Bryant on the free agent right now, knowing that his best years are probably behind. Well, certainly we could get him less than I would say 10 million at this point, Um, you know, or around, I should say around um, because he is, um, he does have the MLB service time and you know how players like to dole dole that out when, you know, when, you know, talking about making the money and things like that. But 
still, yes, he's not going to give you MVP numbers, but he's still going to give you um, a plus war, like when all said and done in 150 games. Um, and he's less of a price than the first two guys I said. Yeah, it's, I don't know. There's, there might be a team out there that's willing to look at Chris Bryant and they see, oh, this guy's a four-time All-Star. This guy was MVP in 2016. Like, maybe that guy is still in there and there might be a team out there who's willing to bet on that. I don't necessarily see it coming. We'll see. The people in the Blue Jays front office, they know more than I do. So maybe they have some metric or something that says, yes, Chris Bryant isn't there or like he's going to get there. He's going to bounce back. I don't think so, but it would be very interesting to see what happens next in Chris Bryant's career. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, you know, it's not like he totally needs to, you know, revive himself. You know, he's not, he's not dead at the plate. He's not dead right. in the water. You know, he's still going to, he's still going to play in the MLB. He's definitely not on his way out. He just hasn't put up the numbers that I would say most people remember him as. Cause he kind of really, really went quiet from, um, from the MLB page, if you were to look up National League stats, he really went away from that. Yeah, he dropped he dropped down and he dropped down hard, hence why the Cubs have yeah. slowly shifted into their rebuild yeah. that they're doing now. Um, yeah. So those are the three guys, I think, that the th- or three each, so I guess six guys total, that you and I are both yeah. kind of excited that we really think could impact this team that we really want to go after. I do want to touch on some other guys who are notable free agents that, you know, tell me what your thoughts are if the Jays signed this guy. Uh, I'm going to go first with Freddie Freeman. What are your thoughts on Freddie? Freeman? <laughs> Holy cow. We'd have, well, first of all, we'd have the best for our best first baseman in the American league and the national league, uh, mm-hmm. formerly from, from the Braves, um, an honorary Canadian and Freddie Freeman. Yeah. Um, you gotta Canadian. love, gotta, gotta love that. Um, and you talk about fun guys on the field. Uh, Brian is up there. But Freddie Freeman might be the most liked MLB player right now. It's very amazing to me that he even got this far in free agency because he's always said this whole time, I want to stay in Atlanta. Atlanta's always said, we want to have you back in Atlanta. He just won a World Series with Atlanta. It's kind of crazy he doesn't have a contract yet. And the more he remains unsigned, the more the teams like the Blue Jays and the Yankees and other teams are looking at Freddie Freeman as a possible fit. Oh, teams would be sal- are salivating over this guy. Like his best years are not behind him. And yes, he has got a little more age than some guys, yeah, but 32. he is, you know, drum roll, please. <laughs> you know, a very potential Hall of Famer. I, I think so. I think he's well on his way. There was he's buzz- between the Hall of Hall of Very Good or Hall of Fame, but there's a real good chance that if he keeps putting up these numbers, he'll get there. Mm-hmm. There was buzz around in the offseason when Carlos Bajera, a guy, he's um, he's Spanish. He has predicted a lot of these Spanish player signings before. He made some Instagram posts about Freddie Freeman in a Blue Jays jersey, citing that his, you know, his mom was Canadian. He's played for Team Canada in the World Baseball Classic before. And it just got everyone buzzing that, oh, my God, we could get Freddie Freeman. I don't think it's going to happen. Freddie Freeman is going to cost a lot of money. Now, he's really good. Don't get me wrong. He might even be better than Jose Ramirez, say but I think he's going to cost a lot of money. It's going to be probably a six or seven year deal. And we already have a very good first baseman. If you haven't heard this Guerrero kid might be pretty good. So, you know, it's not really a team need, but you'd be adding another high impact bat if Freddie Freeman were to come to Toronto. You would be adding, uh, yeah, a top, top five 
position player hitter in all of baseball. That's just Freddie Freeman, though. And plus, we'd probably have to move Vladdy to third base if we did sign Freddie Freeman. And Vladdy was awful at third base in his year he played there. So Vladdy is an MVP candidate at first base. Let's just leave him there. Let's move on. Um, I'm going to try to run through these other guys pretty quickly that I think could be interesting. Um, I've mentioned Luke Voigt, who if the Yankees do say sign Freddie Freeman or they signed another first baseman. Luke Voigt's probably extendable, and uh, he just led the majors in the 20. Uh, he led the major leagues in home runs in the 2020 COVID-shortened season. Left-handed hitter. Luke Voigt could be a really oh no, I think he's a right-handed hitter actually. But Luke, Luke Voigt could Voigt? be a, could be a good piece on this team. Luke Voigt's a righty bat. Yeah, he is a righty. Yeah, uh, but anyways, he's a masher. He could still be really good. I think if the Yankees decide to get rid of him, he's going to be a good player no matter where he goes. Um, we talked about. Oakland doing the rebuild. Uh, Chris Bassett and Sean Manaya could be arms that could probably fit into the Jays' fifth rotation spot right now. Uh, I just have little notes on here. Sean Manaya, he's a good, durable starter, but I don't think the upside is there for what he once showed as a prospect. The stat cast numbers aren't that great, but he should be fine. He'll probably be league average, and he's probably better than a lot of the free agent starting pitchers who are currently on the market. So he could probably be had pretty cheap. Uh, Chris Bassett too. He's a one-year rental. He's an innings eaters guy. Like he's a guy who might give up two or three runs to start, but he'll pitch into the sixth or seventh. Uh, he actually is pretty good at inducing hard contact. So maybe there's something here with Chris Bassett, but nothing super sexy with that. name. Any thoughts on those guys? Yeah, both Oakland guys. I do spend a lot of time watching A's baseball. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're right. I, at first I felt hurt that you said that about Benaya. And then I kind of <laughs> came down to earth and I thought, yeah, you know, you're not wrong. Um, Great southpaw, uh, really. Um, he was considered their ace, I would say. Um, but he really hasn't shown, you know, his greatest year. But I think he's had a lot of kind of stutters in, in, his, in what's going on. I don't know if that's injury or what. Um, Oakland just has had, had a rough, you know, last three or four years, really. And, um, you know, if Manaya gets moved, he will go and... Um, you know, next two, three years, I bet Jared is, is probably his best years. Um, if we can get him for a smaller price, yeah, that's great. Bassett, um, is it is an innings eater too. He's got the stamina. He's, you know, a, a long winded guy, got longevity, can give you the innings. Um, in, but he's one of those guys that could be flaky at the end of the day, could have a, a five, seven, one, or could have a three, seven, one ERA. Exactly, you know, he right. could, the upside's great. The downside. Eh, not so much. He'd be your fifth starter. I'd be fine with it. It probably wouldn't cost us much. If we're going to get an Oakland starter, Frankie Montas is the guy, because I'd love to see that splitter with Kevin Gosman teaching him how to use that. I think that would be amazing. <laughs> Straight fireballer, man. Freddie Montas. Again, another guy I'm going to pick this year in fantasy 15, 20 spots above. You know, that if they ended up going after and getting Montas and Chapman, whoo, Nelly, watch out, man. So we did say the Blue Jays could use another like bench bat, particularly a left-handed one. Um, I really think the Blue Jays are going to give Corey Dickerson another shot. He's a free agent right now. I really think there's some interest there that the Blue Jays bring him back. He said he kind of got revitalized playing with his Blue Jays team last year. And we saw Dickerson getting more playing time over Randall Gritchick late in the year. So especially if we can move Gritchick's contract, which we saw the Jays were trying to do. There were rumors that we were going to send him to Milwaukee in the offseason, but uh, they went with Hunter Renfro instead. So 
there's very real chance if we do move Gritchick that uh, Corey Dickerson could come right here and fit in. And other guys like Ben Gamble, Colin Moran, Brett Gardner, Pavin Smith, all bench guys for this team, left-handed guys who provide you a little bit of something. I think one of those guys would be a good fit for this team as well. Yeah, and just uh, Gardner would be an ironic one because um, he spent so much time with the Yankees. We've seen him yeah. so much. Um, and you know what? I like Brett Gardner. I always have, you know, as a, as a non-Yankees guy, um, I would say one of my player comps growing up would have been Brett Gardner as right. an outfielder. Um, just a funny guy, um, real short-tempered, which I, I don't hate. I don't hate as long as it's not costing us games. Yeah. Um, he'd be fun. He'd be, he'd be fun. He'd be fine as a fourth outfielder for sure. I mean, he just hit so well against the Blue Jays in his career. It'd be nice just to have him not facing us every time, you know, be good to have him. On yeah. Outside, so and you know what? It, yeah. It helps. It helps when they build Yankee stadium, like uh, that Warkworth ball diamond, it's like, Holy cow. Like, you know, any lefty could hit it out of there, but if we get him, man, I'm not expecting power numbers, but definitely above average displacement. Uh, yeah, above average replacement outfielder for the guys we have. So I do have as a fourth outfielder. Yes. And that's what he'd be on this team. Yeah. Um, yeah. I do have one more guy. I want to mention, he didn't make my top three, go get him guys, but I did some research on this guy and I really think I like him. Uh, and that would be JD Davis of the Mets. He's 28 years old, like Chris Bryant. He's played some left field. He's played some third base. Now he's not a great defender at either position. So I know for you, that might take him down a little bit, but mm. He's kind of fallen out of favor with the Mets. They seem to want to move on with him. You know, maybe the universal DH changes that and a guy like JD Davis can kind of stick around and get some at bats. But all this guy has done in his career is hit. He's just hit and hit and hit since 2019. JD Davis WRC plus ranks fifth in baseball among third basemen and is only a hair behind Vladimir Guerrero jr. And Jose Ramirez. So this guy's hit. He's very undervalued right now because he's not that great a defender. But if he's hitting like those guys, getting him in your lineup, maybe a guy you can run in the DA spot for a while could still be really good. Yeah. Now, mind you, when I, when I favor defense first, um, if a guy can give you a certain statistic at the plate, Mm-hmm. Then defense kind of goes out the window, right? Um, but if you're a tw- if you're if you're you know hitting 15 to 20 home runs and you know about 70 RBIs, hitting around 250, 260, I would still love to see some defense. But if you're putting up you know astronomical numbers, then you know maybe I'll let it slide. I'll let it slide a bit more for sure to get an extra bat in that lineup. Yeah, I also wouldn't mind uh, Kyle Schwarber either. This guy who started in Washington, went to the Red Sox. Uh, he had a shit ton of power. He had a great year last year. Uh, there's a lot of swing and miss in that game, so we could have a lot of high variance. But when he hit the ball, it was elite. I just He's either going back to Boston or I think he's going to sign with the National League team somewhere too, uh, now that they've got the universal DH. But I wouldn't be against Kyle Schwarber being on this team either. But I do think that the Jays want to avoid having a primary DH because of the Kendris Morales situation they had here for years. Yeah. The Jays really value putting people, like giving people a partial day off. Like they could put Bo Bichette in the DH hole one day, or they could put Teoscar Hernandez in the DH hole one day. And I think the Jays really value that. So I don't see Kyle Schwarber as a guy who's going to end up here, but I've been wrong before. I'll be wrong again. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> with uh, having a full-time DH, if that's Schwarber, great, but there goes your days off. Cause I would hate to see Schwarber might be one of the worst defenders at all of baseball. Yeah. Um, just 
you know, respectfully, because his, his, he has the potential to have 40 home runs. I don't know if he's done it before. Um, I can find out, he's right? definitely, sure. He's definitely had some crooked numbers at the plate, man. Um, but his, his thing is hitting. He is a, um, he's a masher and he's not hitting for average. He's not looking to make pretty plays in the field. He's just out there to hit the ball 435 feet over the fence. He's good at it. He hit a 38 in 2019. So close. Okay. That's his career high. So yeah. Yeah. So he has like, if you can hit, if you hit 38 home runs, Jesse, you have the potential to hit 40. Yeah. That's two app. That's two app bats that didn't go his way. That could have been two long flyouts to the warning track. And if we're looking for a guy whose career high is 38 home runs, why don't we just get Matt Chapman? Case in point, Jesper. <laughs> yeah. Case in point. All right. That's all I've got for these free agents and trade targets that the Jays could acquire. There's obviously we're not going to sign all of them, but I think if we can get our hands on a few of these guys, especially Cattel Marte, give me this guy, put him on our team. Um, I think it would be great. And I feel like once a lockout agreement is made, these guys are going to go flying off the list. Um, if oh, you guys yeah. watching have any thoughts of anyone who could do, leave a comment down below. We'll engage with you on Twitter. We'll tell you the pros and cons of what we think about these guys, but I don't have anyone else to add, Riley. Do you have anyone else to think of? Um, one of our viewers on Twitter actually mentioned uh, Trevor Story would be an interesting mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I read that and I kind of I kind of smirked and I thought, you know, yeah, that would be that would be great. Um, but what the hell are we going to do with Bo? Or where are we going to move Story? Because he's one of the best hitting shortstop. Or he might be the best hitting shortstop in all of baseball for pa- for power. Right. Now, some like, people are worried about, like, he played his years in Colorado, and he actually wasn't that great last year, and he couldn't do that in Colorado. What could happen? But I don't think Trevor Story's moving off shortstop. And Bo Bichette was on record saying, I think if the Jays were to sign Francisco Lindor last year, that Bo Bichette would have moved to second base. But they didn't move him for Marcus Semien, so I don't know. I don't think it's going to be a co- fit. But... Yeah, if it comes down to who's your primary shortstop, and I had to choose between acquiring story and trying to find another fit for Bo or just kind of leaving it the same. If Trevor story was to get some sort of miraculous arm surgery where he was a third baseman and could throw with greater throwing power and be a natural at the position that I take that all day. Um, however, it, he seems more suited for shortstop. He will, he's, He's kind of that type of player. Wherever he goes, he will be the starting shortstop. Right. And Trevor Story is on record saying exactly that. He's like, I'm a shortstop. I'm playing shortstop. (laughs) Yeah. So it's not too bad. But I like it. There's upside there. Trevor Story can hit. Plays good defense. There's a chance. Hit for power, Ben. Yeah. I think the price is just going to be too high. It's kind of like Freddie Freeman, right? Great player. Great stuff. I just, I don't see it happening in Toronto. Yeah. All right. Well, we do have to get to a little bit of somber news around the MLB. As uh, if you were checking through the Twitter last night, we did see that uh, longtime Oakland A and Philadelphia Phillies, uh, Jeremy Giambi passed away. Uh, tough guy. I know as a baseball fan growing up through our younger years, we like Jeremy Giambi. I know you're like, you've mentioned you're a big money ball guy. Jeremy Giambi was a star in that. Uh, do you have anything you want to say about him? Yeah, uh, the Giambi family, a lot of people remember um, Jason, obviously, longtime DH of uh, the Yankees. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jason's brother obviously passed away, um, hasn't been disclosed. It's not our job to talk about what happened. Just 
um, me being a fan of the Oakland A's and the organization, kind of, you know, our condolences to the family, the teams, you know, friends, family, things like that. Um, You know, just, you know, again, respectfully, just love the movie. Um, Love players like that, you know, not a high level guy, but the fact that they brought in so many replacement level guys. And when they started talking about guys with high on base percentages and, you know, Jeremy Jombie was that guy at the time um, that they went after and picked up and, you know, they went on their record setting at the time. It was broken, I believe, by uh, Cleveland. the Cleveland Guardians. Yeah. Yeah. Um, tw- 20 game win streak. And, you know, just it's crazy, man. Things happen in, in life. And, um, you know, our condolences to the Jombies and uh, the family and extended family of the Oakland A's. Yeah, 47 years old, uh, still quite young. He uh, His season in 20, 2002 with the Phillies, he had a 971 OPS that year. Like, he absolutely mashed. But he only had, like, I think it was, like, 70 RBIs. Like, his counting stats were just so low because he was hitting leadoff most of the time. But that uh, 2002 season he had with the Phillies was special. Um, I do have some quotes here that uh, his former teammate said, Barry Zito via text, finding out about his death. He just says, I'm completely shocked at the news about Jeremy. He was an incredibly loving human with a very soft heart. And it was evident to us and his teammates at the time that he had some battles going on. So it seemed like he was well regarded with his teammates there. I have another quote here from Art Howe, who was also featured in Moneyball quite well. It's like, I know how hard Jeremy played every single day. I know our fans remember him. But I think it's a shame that anyone even thinks about like his misdoings on the field and whatnot. He was a good kid. He was well liked. He gave me everything he had. And that was the type of person Jeremy Giambi was. So, And I think that that speaks, you know, it's one thing to hear from players. But when you get that kind of, um, you know, review from a manager that speaks volumes, um, you know, the caretaker of the team and everything like that. it's, um, you know, it's tough to lose someone, like I said, condolences to the Jombies and the Oakland A's organization. Um, tough loss. Absolutely. Uh, let's uh, move on now. Let's go to something a little somber, Riley. Let's uh, let's pick pick ourselves back up with a little bit of trivia. Yeah. Riley, last week I, like I trivia. asked you. Yeah, who doesn't, right? Last yeah. week I asked you if you could name all the MLB The Show cover artists since 2006. You listed off a few for me. Do you have any more guests? So, yeah, okay. <clears throat> So I get, so I gave you Mao, right? Was it 10 and 11 or 9 and 10? 10 and 11. 10 and 11. Mm-hmm. Okay. Pedroia was on 08 or 09. 09, you nailed it. Okay. Then tracking back, we go Tatis, Baez. Yep. Um, Tatis, Baez. Jesus, I own the damn game. What the? <laughs> oh, Har- Har- Harper. Bryce Harper Judge. in 19, yep. Aaron Judge in 18. And then Judge. So then I said McCutcheon, and I don't want you to give me the year because I just know he was on a game. And I feel like I'm just for my last guess because I don't know. Like, Miggy had a triple crown. Was Miggy on one of those games? You nailed it, 2014. Okay, 2014. Okay, I'm done guessing, man, because – I uh, p- uh, before PD and around there's like I must might be missing one in two years in the 2010s, but give it to me, man. I want to hear this. I mean, yeah, right, so- it took it took me everything not to look this up. By the way, <laughs> so there's there's seven more, and as yeah. soon as I say these names, you're gonna be like, of course, of course they were. Oh right? man, oh, don't do this to me, dude. <laughs> all so, right, all right. We'll start. I guess. Way in the beginning, 2006, yeah. when MLB The Show first came out, David Ortiz was on the cover. 
Makes sense. Fair enough. Sure Fair enough, that. man. Uh, the next year, we went Mets legend David Wright was on the cover. Oh, I should have got that one. I got that one, yeah. Oh, yeah, I should have got that one. In 2008, we had a guy you mentioned probably a few episodes ago as one of the best individual seasons a player's ever had, uh, and that was Ryan Howard, big mashing left-handed first baseman. Man, yeah. Was one. Of course. Now, I'm surprised you didn't get this one. In 2016, Josh Donaldson was on the cover, Blue Jays MVP. Oh, that's not fair because I was doing the Canadian edition and everything like that. I mean, if I was, yeah. He was on the American as well. Well, good. I'm glad that the the Americans got to see um, the MVP. Now, you're going to kick yourself at this one. In 2017, the uh, they decided not to do a current player on the MLB The Show. I, they went with, it's, this is Bryce Harper. No, Bryce Harper was 18. In 2017, they put Ken Griffey Jr. on the cover of MLB The Show. Well, I said Judge. Did I say Judge for 2017? Oh, I think I had. No, Judge was 18. Harper was 19. Oh, Ken Griffey Jr. It was on 17. What are you, oh, you're kidding me, man. That's yeah. embarrassing. I don't even know if we air this episode. <laughs> Jeez, geez, man. And then uh, just two more to get. These ones are tough ones. Uh, in 2012, it was Adrian Gonzalez. Who might have been a tough one? Adrian Gonzalez, man. That's that's like kind of like Patrice Berger on being on the cover of NHL 15. Right. And the last one, which Adrian I think is Gonzalez. the toughest one to get, was in 2015. I'm going to give you some clues for this one. This person um, played for the LA Dodgers. He right-handed hitter. He was from Cuba. Um, oh, is it? It's Puig. It's Yasiel Puig was on the cover oh, in man. 2015. So. Good stuff there. As we talked a lot about MLB The Show in the last episode, uh, I know I'm excited for the game. I'm pretty sure you are too. It should be a lot of fun. i got one more trivia question for today. Are you ready? I'm looking to bounce back in a big way, buddy, so let me hear it. Well, I tried to find something that was related to free agents and stuff, and all the stuff I could find, Mm -hmm. I it was too mathy. It was too complicated, I so I scrapped it. I just pulled a random Blue Jays trivia question. I want to see if you can get it. Ready? Shoot. All right. Which it's multiple choice too. Oh, great! Thank you. <laughs> no problem. Which one of these Toronto Blue Jays once struck out six times in a game? Now, do you know it right now? Okay. Before I give the answer, <laughs> can I? Alex Rios. No, he's not on the list there. I think he's had uh, he's had four strikeout games though. But yeah, I was at a game where he did not do well in. <laughs> Sounds like him. Uh, here are yeah. your four options. Your options are Teoscar okay. Hernandez, Colby Rasmus, Alex Gonzalez, or Randall Gritchick. Oh, man. I hope it's not my boy Colby. Um, <laughs> so let me just do some thinking on this before I answer. So six strikeouts. So you're going to have an at-bat at least six times in the game. That's yep. over six with six Ks, which is – which is the double hat trick, which is a golden sombrero plus two. You know, that's like, that's two and a half, or that's one and a half sombreros right there. Um, <laughs> so you're playing extra innings, unless your team's winning 17 nothing, but you just didn't contribute at all. <laughs> Riley, you, you and I um, could go up to the plate, and we could go over six with six strikeouts. I, I, uh, I know, over over two games, though, because we're hitting nine spot. Um <laughs> So we got Gritchick yep. as one, Tay Oscar as one, Colby Rasmus as one, and who is my fourth uh, option? Alex Gonzalez, who was a shortstop in the mid-2000s. 
so the late nineties, early two thousands. I, I think I'll pick the wild card guess. Yeah, I know the shortstop well because um, he kind of moved around after. I think he was with the Cubs after the Jays, but I think I'll go Alex Gonzalez because um, I'm not really sure. And I know Tay Oscar and Colby struck out a lot. But six in a game is a lot, man. All right, That's you a guys, lot of strikeouts. If you guys are watching, leave your answer in the YouTube comments below. We will give you the answer next week. Uh, Riley, that's all we got for the show today. Do you have anything else you want to add? No. Um, we'll be busy here soon, though, talking about uh, hopefully Manfred can get all this crap sorted out. And, uh, you know, we can – I like talking hypothetics, but it'll be nice to talk you know, some straight paper stuff here and talk about games. You know, that's, I'm most, I'm looking forward to this podcast, mostly to talk about the games that have been going on and to, you know, interact with our followers and, you know, compare and contrast and see what, you know, and break down kind of what's going on with this Jays team. Um, We got, we're going to win 90 games this year. I think no matter how way you slice it, um, it's going to be a good season. I'm yeah. really looking forward to talking about actual baseball games. So the sooner, sooner rather than later, let's get this show on the road. Yeah, we'll get into some season preview stuff once we have a start date, once we know when things are going on. And I've got a lot of fun ideas to get into go into that. So we'll get there. But yeah, that'll do it for episode today. Thanks for everyone for tuning in. I feel like we're really starting to hit our stride here, Riley. There's a lot of fun Blue Jays content to discuss and we keep putting it forward. I think we're, I think we're onto something here. Well, for those of you who know me, you know, I can talk, you know, forever. It's good to talk <laughs> about something constructive. Um, yeah. It's good to kind of rekindle things with Jesse, not that we ever had a falling out, um, you know, longtime teammate. It's good to meet up, you know, you know, we, we talk a lot more than just go on the air and talk to you guys. Yeah. Um, we, we talk a lot of ball outside of this. Um, I almost wish we had a behind the scenes show, you know, <laughs> maybe one day we're, we're, we're not gonna, um, it's just fun to kind of, you know, hypothesize, talk baseball and sleep on the content. You know, last night I kind of was thinking, you know, about my third base dilemma and everything like that. So it's fun. Mm-hmm. And like, uh, like always, if, if you guys have anything else to contribute ideas, you know, down in the comments, leave what you have to say. Yeah, I think we're getting close to the point, too, where we could probably have some guests on the show and whatnot. So if you are interested, uh, tweet at us at BudJays or send us an email at BudsAndBlueJays at Hotmail.com. We're going to be here for all breaking news, all the stuff that happens. I can't wait. Uh, Make sure you guys check out the Leafs and Lads podcast. The Leafs are on their way to an historic season. So Mark Isaac and Din have you covered every step of the way over there. Uh, And until next time, see you around.